Hi, everybody, and welcome to a downtrodden, relaxing episode of Two Gays, One Episode. I'm Alex. And I am Go Jesus. And I'm feeling very upset today because everyone in Evangelion is just so sad. No one seems to be able to do anything. Um, in what <laughs> episode, die. Michael? What episode are we covering today? We're, we're covering episode 23, Tears, or how Ray died and exploded a lot and is dead now. But not really. <laughs> Still a shorter title than those women long for the touch of others and the spread of their kisses. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I want to say that I do like this episode. We're going to kind of rag on its structure a little bit because at yeah. least I think it's it's a little poorly structured. Uh, would you agree with that? Well, yeah, I brought that up to you. So, yes, I do agree with it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we're, 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 <laughs> we're in the uh, moment. We're playing. No, Michael, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think this is one of the best written episodes, which is funny because the guy who wrote it, he's pretty good. He wrote episodes 16 mm -hmm. and 22, which I, uh, I both like those episodes. But I literally just had his name. Oh, we have it right here. It's uh, Hiroshi Yamaguchi. Hiroshi Yamaguchi, yeah. Um, but this one doesn't really climax in like a normal way where things escalate and kind of ramp up. It, it, it's very, it, it kind of peaks in the middle and then sort of slumps for the rest of it until kind would of the end. Would you say it, uh, it climaxes prematurely? Yeah, I would say so. And I think that it's midpoint as well with Ray exploding is more intense dramatically than the random Ray clones being killed. Um, that's the more emotionally affecting moment though i actually like that the episode ends with that i mean yeah yeah i mean it, it i really like ritzko as a character but i just i don't think it's as quite as grand as ray exploding in a well, sacrificial I think, moment i think what we would have gotten with someone like say satsukawa as a writer is he really would have driven home that this was a ritzko story so he we would have opened with ritzko and there would have been more happening with her throughout the episode more analysis yeah. more yeah, there's not really but like a whole lot of Ritzko focus at the start. Yeah, no, Ritz it's kind of like I said, Ritzko's just kind of sad and like sitting in her office a lot. There's not yeah. really a lot of Bible. Like she should have had more scenes with Masato or whatever. It's it's just kind of confusing because there's, you know, if she's the A plot, she should have the most scenes devoted to her, and there are some scenes in this episode. Um, mm -hmm. like I think she goes to see Sele later on. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's not a very it's not heavy on any one character. It's it's jumps between pretty much everyone in mm -hmm. equal measure. So it's a little confusing as to like who this is about, what it's kind of going for. I mean, I've always thought of this as the Ray episode because the big pivotal two moments kind of revolve around Ray. It's but called Ray Three as well. That's the other title, not not just Tears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tears and crying and Ray Three. Okay, yeah, well, three. um. So, but Ray is Ray's kind of interesting because um her character I mean, we'll talk about her character later, but she co goes mm -hmm. through kind of an arc. Um I want to say uh that semi completes itself and then we kind of soft reset Ray's character. Well, she does um, legitimately die in this episode. The yes. Ray we know dies. Ray too, though like there there's a lot of speculation about just the fact that Ray herself, her persona kind of manifests, um, like Ray too, like a little bit kind of rubs off on 
Ray Three. Oh, absolutely. So, she yeah. really reincarnates, is what it is. She she yes, she reincarnates yes. as Ray Three, but she's yeah, kind of a different it's, person. Um, it's definitely a reincarnation type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, how do we open up this episode, Alex? So the we kind of just like we just kind of see all the characters in their little spheres, and they're all kind of just chilling in their rooms. Masato's in her room listening to Kaji's message to her over and over again, talking about the phone that won't ring. Uh, I guess it is that Kaji won't call her. Um, Asuka is just like hanging out in Hikari's house, playing video games. She's playing the brand new Sega Genesis system. <laughs> <laughs> in the and timeline where there was Sonic 5 on the Sega Genesis. <laughs> yes. And Hikari's just staring at her going like, she won't leave. She won't leave. She's still here. Why is she still here? She won't go to school. She won't go home. She's still in my house. And then and then Oscar's like, let's go to bed. And then they sleep together. Like, like not in a pervy way, just in a, there's lying in bed together. And Asuka kind of pours her heart out to Akari. Like, man, everything is so rough. I can't pilot the Ava anymore. I hate everybody. I'm so angry right now. But most of all, I'm angry with myself. And I can't stand myself. And Akari just looks to her and is like, you're great. You shouldn't think that way. It's like the most useless thing anyone's ever said. I mentioned <laughs> this before, like, but it's, it thanks. comes across as like, it just comes across as like Japanese politeness or whatever. Like, it's yeah, not <laughs> it's so useless, though. It does not help Asuka in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, it's like empty. Um, do you think that everyone's in their room intentionally as kind of a, a motif of uh? It like doesn't feel isolation. that way, but I think so. I think so. Yeah. Because I know that Shinji's room has an AT field pattern rug on in it, which is... Oh, interesting. Yeah, because it's sort of like th literally the walls that we put up around others and things like that. So, mm -hmm. And there's also scenes of like Shinji standing in front of, what is it, Asuka's door? And no, Masato's. He, Masato's door. And he's like, I can't go in and talk with well, her or whatever there's literally a note that says stay out i'm busy on the yeah. door so so yeah. yeah everyone's isolated from each other um and then no one's really trying to find ritzko i guess ritzko's just in her office smoking like 20 cigarettes because we see the ashtray full of cigarettes and her grandmother calls and is like your cat died and ritzko's like oh okay and she's like really upset about it but she can't express that and she's like grandmother please stop crying it's okay it's okay i'll come visit i'll come home i'll see i'll there's... see mother's grave and there's some interesting fan theories that the cat she's referring to on the phone call is Kaji. I think that's so it's like code or whatever. It's weird. It's weird. Um, that doesn't really make sense to me, but it's interesting, well, the thing is that people think that, okay, so remember there was this old lady earlier on that Kaji mm -hmm. was talking to, to get Intel and she was feeding cats or feeding cats while talking to Kaji. And yeah. people think that that's Ritsuko's grandmother. And so Ritsuko's grandmother is kind of like a double agenty type of figure that is giving information to Kaji. And then, uh, like saying the cat died is, is a code is code name for like Kaji's dead or whatever, which would affect Ritsuko because, she has like a personal connection to Kaji even beyond Misato, so it's That's interesting. Uh, I don't, I don't know, know how valid sense. it is. It's it's a theory, no. but <laughs> like Ritsuko's grandmother would have to be like ninety something probably. So I'm not sure how she's like running around as a secret agent feeding intel to people, but it's possible, I guess. You know, maybe they maybe Ritsuko's mom could have been maybe the grandmother and the mom could have been young. I don't know. Maybe maybe young she's parents. Only... 
70 yeah. something i don't know it's still pretty old to be running around talking to kaji I, the cat motif is interesting and kind of makes sense i guess but uh, yeah this is so this scene this little ritzko scene is really the um ritzko's cat dying is almost the inciting incident of the episode in a way uh mm. or the call or the call action i forget the difference but like yeah this is really the the moment where we get introduced to the main character of the episode which i think is ritzko inciting and, incident uh, is usually um by the way mm-hmm. the okay, event that, that throws the everyday out of disarray it's mm-hmm. the thing that kind of okay so you set up the everyday life and then the inciting incident is like what is weird um, what is kind of out of place in the everyday life type of deal yeah. uh, and then the call to action or the catalyst you could say is the thing that kind of pushes you into the second act so it's the or point of attack um, this is how at least mm-hmm. I learned it was that it's another event that happens that goes like okay now we have to go on this quest or whatever that is in right okay yeah so, so the cat dying is the inciting incident the call to action is the angel appearing yeah 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 you could say that exactly and both of those things have been very early in the episode we're only at the five minute mark and both of those <laughs> things have happened which is kind of insane yeah um they, not a lot of setup in this episode <laughs> no which is one of the things that we're, we're both kind of critical about is that we get yeah. into what would be considered the second act pretty pretty late i mean we were also talking about okay is it trying to go for joe hawkeye structure because joe's first la- first act in a joe hawkeye would be kind of long so you could sort of argue that if it's a japanese structure maybe ray dying is the end of the first act but it's yeah. not really that it can't really be that because in joe hawkeye there's still escalation and tension ramping up and mm-hmm. we kind of just like flub after that so uh, a little bit yeah we, we can talk about it as we go through it so yeah. what's the next thing that happened the angel arrives this is mm-hmm. one of the creepiest angels in the whole show i think uh arma sale which is the angel of the womb uh and its name means i just saw it it means a uh, mountain of judgment of god which is <laughs> That's a lot. There's a lot going on in that name. Mountain of Judgment of God. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure what to make of that, to be honest. Well, I don't know if that has a lot to do womb, with it. The Angel of the, the Womb, womb makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, because... Total sense. We'll see if how... If only with the imagery. We'll see how Ray kind of... Um, when she explodes herself, there's kind of womb imagery and pregnancy sort of stuff. And then the reincarnation, rebirth kind of motif that ray three goes under makes sense it's like Mm -hmm. oh angel of the womb angel of birth you know that type of thing so it's also interesting because baby like not not babies not infants but uh fetuses in a way they're almost parasites right so they oh yeah a little bit and this thing is like a tapeworm so it's really a parasite is what it is and it attaches itself to people so there's that connection too Mm -hmm. um uh as for mountain of judgment of god we do interestingly see uh, something that the, I guess the fan base is called like the Tower of Angels, where oh, a- yeah. after Ray is exploding it th- themselves, uh, it uh, <laughs> there's this belly. Yeah. there's this weird <laughs> organic mass of all the angels that we've seen up to this point uh, exploding out of her. It's like it's almost <laughs> like the tapeworm itself contained like all the DNA for all of the the angels themselves uh and so um there's kind of maybe that has like to ties into the mountain of god type of thing 
So yeah, I don't know a little bit. Interesting. This episode is so. Someone had some issues. Like I'm starting to suspect that Anna might have some issues with sex and uh, and gender. <laughs> um, based on this episode alone, just <laughs> some of the discussions we've had As if in we the didn't get that before. first eight minutes of this episode. Yeah, it was very apparent in this one. <laughs> the angel's a tapeworm, and it makes it makes Ray have a big pregnant belly in the Ava unit. And <laughs> yeah, there's something vaguely sperm cellish about it too. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lot going on um gendo by the way mentions here somewhere that he's like he's like send asuka in and then masato's like she won't be able to do anything and gendo's like i don't care she could be a distraction <laughs> maybe she'll die and ray will live <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say that literally but that's basically what he's saying <laughs> so yeah no one really cares about oscar right now except masato um also interestingly when the angel appears masato isn't in the command center she's driving in her car and kind of just like going past it on her way to the command center um also i guess they have a new command center up because they haven't been in the uh it's been set up i guess because they haven't been for the oh no they were weren't they in the rel fight no they were never mind sorry i'm totally wrong last episode they were in the command center Mm-hmm. mm-hmm so yeah. I guess another thing that ties into that gender point that you were talking about was mm -hmm. you you have this note in here where it's like Armisale is stabbed and it screams like Shinji. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It uh, screams like a human. <laughs> anyway. Is it Megumi Ogata who is screaming? It sounds like just Shinji screaming. Yeah. Uh, you might have to listen to it later, but yeah. It just sounded like Shinji to me. So uh and the, and that's when oh you know, it's when the um the the things are crawling all over his hands already so yeah it would make sense if it's like sort of if it has a connection to shinji yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I believe it's megumi okada screaming but uh yeah so then then the the whole point of this angel is kind of that it's completely arcane because they can't fight it in a normal way they're like trying to fight it physically but it's real. it's just like i love you and it's giving them a big hug and sort of merging itself with them so there's yes. really no way to battle it it's uh it's it's really creepy this is the creepiest of the angels, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely not only in terms of its sexual imagery, but in terms of how it tries to. It feels really dangerous. Like if Ray mm -hmm. hadn't absorbed it in and exploded it, they would have been absolutely screwed. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if there was like a good way to fight it. This is debatably the most dangerous angel. Uh, yes. I think. It's um, very insidious. Someone has to die to even kill it. Mm -hmm. Um, with so that's pretty intense. Which also shows the escalation of each angel. So the last one was out in space, and they couldn't fight it because it was out in space. Now this one is unfightable because it's it's so insidious and um intangible. There's nothing mm -hmm. to you're not there's nothing to really fight because and it's not even trying to fight them really. It's trying to take them over. Yeah, it's trying to take them over. Um, it's almost like an anti AT field type of angel that just breaks yeah. down people's walls by force and uh sort of tries to become one with you um we get a lot of eoe imagery here this is the one episode in the especially in the director's cut yeah the director's mm -hmm. cut really tries to tie this into eoe like quite heavily um there there's the scene later on uh where 
they were just in some random elevator in the on-air version. It kind of looked like a Tron <laughs> elevator. Uh, <laughs> and then they changed it to one for EOE. And then we get a lot of giant naked ray stuff where mm-hmm. we get like white giga ray imagery throughout this. So mm-hmm. this, uh, this definitely evokes a lot of that imagery of, you know how, um, giant naked ray kind of breaks down everyone's at fields and merges everyone together into one being for instrumentality this is very much like a a precursor to all that it's not really it's not really uh uh foreshadowing because they did this after when they were planning (laughs) eoe so it's not really foreshadowing but it's also not i I guess it is foreshadowing because it was made before eoe i believe but yeah um i think it was just before eoe was released that they released the director's cut stuff um to tie it all mm-hmm. together and kind of yep. bind everything. Um, okay. Yeah, go on. So in in terms of tying into EOE, I think it's I think it's pretty cool that it, it tries to do mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean the EOE imagery is great. I'm not complaining about that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't even think it's that much of a cheap shot in the sense that everyone has the director's cut stuff and access to it and most people are uh watching that before they watch EOE. So I th- I think you could consider it foreshadowing even if it is yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of retroactive. I mean, I think anyone um, who watched it on Netflix like heard about it and was like, "Oh, I got to watch this show and it's on Netflix." The, the the original cut is not on Netflix at all. So Yeah. Certainly in its whole one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six. It absolutely is foreshadowing that way. And let's talk about the conversation that Ray has with Arm um, kind of yep. in the uh um in sort of a uh primordial soup of life type of strange liminal space. Um and she's talking to Armiziel, and Armiziel has sort of taken the form of another Ray, which speaks mm-hmm. to the fact that ray has anxiety about not being an individual or not being herself and the angels kind of mocking yeah. her it's taking on that shape um it's, it's like also a parasite so it takes on the form of whatever it's engaging y- with yes but in terms of just like themes it's yeah, really yeah, yeah. True, true, true. it's it's being that duplicate and kind of revealing that ray is a clone and that she's not an individual which preys upon her uh one of her like main uh kind of psychological issues is like that she doesn't value herself and doesn't see herself as as an individual worth protecting or saving mm-hmm. um in some ways uh i think part of ray 2's arc here right with the self-sacrifice type of deal because even though it yeah. is self-destructive and it's it's bad for her character um she's doing it specifically to save people that she cares about because she's formed no one relationships is what's interesting to me yes no one told her to do this. In fact, Gendo seems to not be okay <laughs> with that. No. Uh, so she's kind of acting on her own free will and doing something self-sacrificing to save people she cares about. Shinji, in this case, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, do you remember what the angel tells her in when they're kind of having the conversation? No. <laughs> I don't, actually. <laughs> I think it's a lot of uh, philosophical, <laughs> like confusing philosophy. 
um i think it is questions like are you are you a person are you an individual and Ray's like yeah i am i think (laughs) think that's mostly (laughs) what it was your pain you're in pain aren't you your heart is aching uh aching no that's not it it's lonely there's some comment ray makes not in that scene but where she's like do i want to become one with akari and i'm like Calm down, Anno. Just calm down. Go take a cold shower. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She talks about how alone she is in spite of uh, kind of being with a lot of people and everything. And loneliness really drives her in some ways. Like, she feels Mm -hmm. like she's not human. um, and and that kind of is a supreme type of loneliness when you've kind of cut yourself off psychologically from everyone where you're like i'm not a person uh and she's kind of literally not (laughs) which i guess is the the hard thing for her to grapple with um i have a question yeah what do you think it means that she sees gendo as she's dying she sees a little flash of gendo and then the explosion happens it's the it's Gendo smiling, right? From yeah, it's Gendo smiling at her. It's the it's same from when he saved her. Life. Yeah, from when he saves her. Um, I think this Ray is still has still has a problem in respect to almost like relying on Gendo for her sense of self in some ways mm-hmm. that someone was able to protect her, um, and so therefore like they care about her and see her as somebody as an individual, which kind of um, I think goes to show that like Ray sort of misinterpreted this relationship still. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. only until she gets like, we get into Ray three that Ray three can kind of recognize that Gendo is like toxic and his relationship with her is kind of twisted. Maybe it's because it's like a fresh perspective on a lot of the memories. I think so. But I think also, Ray 2 has a different relationship with Gendo because they kind of have a working relationship. There mm. are it is toxic, but Gendo does actually put effort into it. Whereas with Ray 3, by that point, she's nothing more than a tool to him to complete yeah. the plan he's been working on. He doesn't have a personal interpersonal relationship with her the way he did with Ray 2. Like you see them talking, like there's that scene where Shinji's staring at them and she's laugh and she's laughing and he says he tells a joke or something and she laughs at it. So there there is there is something there between them that does not exist with Ray 3, which is why I think Ray 3 doesn't really care about Gendo as much because she doesn't have those personal experiences. She just has the facts in her head, basically. Yeah, it's interesting that Ray 3 chooses Shinji over Gendo um, in EOE. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's maybe... Well, even in this episode, Shinji is more compassionate, right? Like, he goes to check on her uh, after mm-hmm. she's dead and seems to be worried for her so even in the small amount of interaction that ray three and shinji have together it still seems like he cares more uh yeah yeah for sure uh i was also i was gonna say something what was i gonna say it's in the notes and i'm trying to find them but (laughs) uh the uh yeah so so ray dying is really it's really hard to pinpoint because ray dying should be an act break but I can't think of what act break it is. I don't, it doesn't make sense as an act break really. Cause it's not the beginning of act three and it's not the beginning of act two really either. So I guess it's kind of a middle of act two moment. Yeah. Midpoint, midpoint twist is a common thing in, um, yeah. which, you know, in screenwriting, in Western screenwriting, if you had an eight sequence structure, which is pretty typical, um, 
like a lot of movies do eight sequences where it's like okay you have two sequences for act one then two sequences for the start of act two and then two sequences to end act two and then another two sequences for act three and at the very middle of that like after four sequences you'd have a twist or something that would shake things up and so the midpoint here is ray dying and and it kind of does act as that twist and commercial break kind of moment yeah. where you're like oh you know and in tv there's four acts uh typically yeah um and in uh in anime there's two acts but it kind of acts as like a condensed um like four act version and so right. uh, four acts are defined in part by commercial breaks and in this case there's a commercial break I, i'm pretty sure the title card rolls after ray dies so I'm it's almost positive yeah yes so it's trying to act as that midpoint twist slash um kind of you know uh halfway through act two in a normal tv mm -hmm. show episode um that would be like an hour long uh but in this situation what confuses me or what baffles me is that it's so climactic like um you know yeah. usually with tv they do have the big 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 hitting moment for it it, 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 it it escalates you know you have yeah um before each commercial break there's like something tense that happens but then there's something more tense that happens in the next one and then more tense yeah. in the next one and so you have this anime gradual... only has one commercial break so <laughs> yeah um and in this case what what confuses me is just that ray's death is so 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 climactic um I guess it had to happen here though, but it feels like something that you'd almost end an episode on. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'd feel like, Oh my God, tune in next oh week. Raised it. Yeah. But she comes back. So I guess it'd be kind of a cheat if you it, have that as the cliffhanger and then well, <laughs> she's fine. You know, um, it feels, it feels kind of almost like two episodes stitched together in some ways, because then, you know, you have the, the kind of, ramping up to the midpoint and then we're back down low energy and then we ramp up to ritzko again kind of yeah it it doesn't hold on to that tension and a lot of normal episodes of something would hold on to that tension and make it keep increasing after that point yeah um like even episodes in ava would do that uh you had stuff like with oscar you know in the previous episode where Asuka's big psychologically damaging moment was essentially act three. Like it was building up to that. Um, yeah. And so uh, it, 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 and it also had a denouement, you know, things kind of fell down and relaxed after, after Ray hurled the spear and basically uh, outshone Asuka for, mm -hmm. for the last time, which really broke her. And then we got that scene with Asuka and Shinji um, sort of chilling on the rooftop and Shinji can't approach her and that acted as the denouement. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, th I believe both of these episodes were written by the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is no... Um, there's no sense of ramping up and keep things going and like keep things building and things like that. Uh, like there is in episode 22. We get, we get right. ramp up to crashes. the middle and then a after, crash. <laughs> yeah. After Ray dies, it almost crashes. Well, there's a little scene here where... Masato and Ritsuko are talking. Masato's like, quick, 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 get the search parties out there. We got to find if, if there's any chance we have to find her. Or she says, we need to find her. And then Ritsuko says, if there's anything left to find. And she says it really coldly. Um, almost like she doesn't care a little yeah. bit. 
Um, which, uh, one theme of this episode, though, uh, playing into that, though, is death, I think. We open with Ritsuko's cat dying. Um, Masato is trying to get over Kaji's death. I, th I think, really, it's, Mas it's Masato, Ritsuko are kind of the two pillars of this story. Uh, Ritsuko a little more so than Masato. And it, it's interesting that that was the choice that they made because that's not typical. It, it's really cool, actually. I think it's what makes Evangelion unique is that they will, even though this is the Ray episode, quote unquote, it's really about these two mentor figures who would not normally get a lot of attention and, and really getting into their heads. And Shinji kind of, he's almost like kind of thrown to the wayside. It's like a side element in this episode. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he makes a realization that Ray is, Ray 3 is not Ray 2. Like, he's like, oh my god, Yeah, he alive. quickly realizes it. Very you're quick. Alive. She realizes then, it. Too. Yeah, and then he, and then he, like, yeah, he soon finds us, like, wait, this isn't the same one, and then we, and then he's confused as to why, and we get that explanation from Ritsuko, where Ritsuko and Misato kind of lead Shinji through, uh, you know, where Ray was created. And yeah. That's a little later. Um, let's just quickly. Yeah, go we'll we'll the put a we'll we'll put a capstone on that for now. Yeah, but... we'll put a pin in that. And uh, yeah, so Ray's okay. She survived the massive explosion. Everyone's happy. It's fine. She's fine, guys. Totally, she survived that massive explosion. But I I mean I guess Masato and Ritsuko survived, and Masato just had like a little cast when uh, when Unit Three exploded. So it's not out of the question. But uh, it becomes very quick, apparent very quickly that Ray is not the same Ray. Um, we get a little scene of Ray going home after being in the hospital. She's crying. She doesn't know why, because she's not the same person. Again, she's just a reincarnation, so she has she sort of has Ray two's memories, but she doesn't understand them. Um, and then she picks up Gendo's glasses, and she looks like she's going to crush him, but she can't do it. Um, uh, then there's, there's a lot of Sile in this episode. I don't really like Sile, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> they're a bit goofy. Like, they're necessary, but they're very goofy. I well, wish we they need either... kind of an antagonistic force beyond Gendo for the show to work, but they aren't really compelling, you know, in their... No. <laughs> as characters. Uh, Lauren's Keel, the main one. Yeah. He's, they, they hint at some things, like, Oh, you know, he's being held together with machinery in the EOE and we see that and that's why he has yeah. that visor and uh and he wants immortality because they're they're all old men who are dying <laughs> and they want immortality, but it's <laughs> he's a cyborg and he wants to live forever. <laughs> but it's still they're not great villains. Uh no. And, and they have all they he's all have the goofy most voices. Keel is probably the most interesting one, to be yeah. honest. Like he's the one who's the most pragmatic i think all the others are always like kind of whining and he's just the, like no this is what we're doing weirdly the um, only one i remember aside from keel is the one that is like wah -de, wah -de, wah, you know like that the, <laughs> the one, one with, with the, the really distinctively annoying voice yeah and i can put I, and he has like a hook nose and kind of like weird aoba hair uh <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, i was thinking of the one with the mustache <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh these characters are are really yeah they're really goofy but um some of the scenes that they have are pretty intimidating. Like when mm -hmm. Sele is talking to Ritsko, it, it, it's so like gr kind of grisly and demeaning in some ways. Yeah. It's uh, definitely demeaning. Oh yeah. It's humiliating for Ritsko. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, they even say to her, like, you, you've been, you've been cast aside by Akari. How do you feel about that? And then she's like, I don't really care. And they're like, you're a strong woman. No doubt about it. <laughs> they say something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're also. Uh, with really... Ritsuko, that's literally Gendo is saying, I'm not sending you Ray. Ritsuko, you go instead. So he's giving up Ritsuko to save Ray again. <laughs> yeah and, and she's and, getting a bit pissed off about it i think yeah well especially he's like okay ray's expendable right I i'm supposed to be somebody that you love um i don't think she even knows what gendo's true goals are with instrumentality it doesn't seem like she even realizes that he wants to get yui back um because uh uh she's she's having a love affair with gendo it's something that we kind of learn or uh, you know yeah. about in the next episode really clenches at 24 but it's oh yeah, kinda, yeah. it's kind of hinted at um it's a funny line in 24 about that yeah it's hinted at throughout most of the show that they're mm -hmm. having a love affair of some sorts and it, it uh, gendo is sort of using her emotionally in a similar way to uh how he used her mother mm -hmm. um and um in regards to ritsuko she feels like Oh, I shouldn't be upstaged by Ray, right? Like it's almost like she's losing to Yui uh in some ways again. Kind of. And uh uh but she 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 doesn't she's surprised by the fact that Gendo keeps choosing Ray over her, you know? A little bit. I don't think she's as pathetic as Nauka. I don't think she's no. quite I think she's a little more clear-eyed than Nauka was. I think Nauka thought Yui's out of the way. Yui's dead. Now me and Gendo can be together. I don't think that's what Ritsuko's thinking so much. No, but I don't think she's like. I don't, is she aware of Gendo's like motivations, like true motivations? No, no, I don't think. Scheme? I don't think she knows about instrumentality properly. But I think she's. Her, I think her affair with Gendo mm -hmm. is a lot less. Um, it's more just something to satisfy her rather than her having genuine affection for Gendo. I oh, I don't think she actually genuinely cares. But it is sort of a. Um, it does make her feel insignificant mm. that this clone. <laughs> It's like yeah. is upstaging her uh uh as an individual. Like it's like it, it, it that we can keep making rays, they don't matter, but there's only one of Ritzko and and uh and Gendo's. She's really indifferent towards Asuka especially. Asuka she really doesn't care about. And then Ray, she's sort of uh, Ray's just a science experiment to her, I think, is the impression yeah. I get. Well it's like how can how are you putting something that's not human above me? as a human and i think a that little really bit. bothers I don't, her i don't know if she ex the thing that's sort of sticking with me is i don't know if she expects that much from gendo i don't think she's looking for his affection in that way mm -hmm. i think it's more like she really just she doesn't like ray and it's she's losing it in this episode especially she's just losing it slowly but surely as the episode progresses um uh there's also oh quickly before we move on from it there's a moment where it's literally just set up friend of Evangelion where the sealant council is talking and then they're like we've made eight ava units and he's like four more and we're done and then that's literally the whole scene and i thought that was kind of stupid <laughs> do you know i don't know if that was a director's cut thing or if that was in the original um, i'm not sure or not. i don't i think it was in the original i don't think that was a director's cut edition I think you're that. right. I want to say that that's correct. That Sele talking about the. I think all the Sele scenes are in the original. I don't think they added any Sele scenes. Yeah. 
They're too stupid. There's no way. <laughs> we need more Sealy. Oh, no, well, obviously, there's one in 24 where they added Sealy, which is also a, which is a completely pointless scene. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but we'll talk about that in our next episode. But it's so nonsensical. Yeah, um, we'll have a lot to say about episode 24. We have a lot to say about 24. We have a lot to say about 24. I will I will go on. Um, but there is also here Ritsko calls up Shinji. She specifically like calls him up on the phone and is like, Hey Shinji, meet me at headquarters. I got something to tell you. <laughs> it's a really odd moment. Is this really the first time Ritsko's ever spoken to Shinji? I think it might be. It it might be. It might be. This it's is the first definitely meaningful interaction the, they've had. It's definitely the only meaningful one if she wasn't just like, wow, Shinji, your sync rate is so good or whatever. Like Yeah. Something <laughs> perfunctory. Functional. It's the first it's the first non functional dialogue that Ritsuko has with Shinji. Yeah. Uh so she calls him up. She's trying to get into the into terminal dogma to go to Ray's area, I guess. And she can't do it because they changed her code name or something. And and Masato pops up with a gun behind her out of the shadows, um, which happens a lot in these hallways <laughs> in Terminal Dogma. It literally happened in, was it 15? Yeah, in 15, Masato popped up behind Kaji and it was almost the exact same scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> Masato is lurking in the shadows, I guess, with a gun. Uh, so th this is actually really what this is, and what I've kind of been commenting on as we've gone, is this is really the end of Misato and Ritsuko's little arc. Because they've really had an arc going where Ritsuko and Misato have kind of had animosity towards each other. Like, Ritsuko's been lying to Misato, and Misato hasn't been happy about it. And Misato's been getting closer and closer to the truth, and Ritsuko refuses to tell her anything. And so, so there's a lot of tension between those two characters, and it kind of comes to a head here. Um, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I would say that this is pretty much the end of their friendship as we know it. Uh, um, it might be the last time they talk to each other, actually. Yeah, I think so. I keep saying things like that, and then it's together. not true. I'll be like, this is the last time Gendo talks to Shinji, and then in the very next episode, they have a conversation. Well, I'm pretty sure that after Ritsuko kills the Ray clones, uh, she's interrogated and then put into a prison cell. Uh, but they talk in the next episode. I remember they I do. I mean, they might interact a little bit in EOE from what I remember, but... No, the, as far in 24 as... they talk. In 24 they talk because Ritsuko tells Masato um, about Kaoru. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm totally wrong. I was right to question myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, this is basically their last meaningful interaction as friends. Um, certainly they never, you know get drinks together again after this is really what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, but Risco again is just losing her mind in this whole sequence where she start they go down and they're in like Ray's bedroom, quote unquote her bedroom. Um and Ritsko explains quickly this is where Ray was born because Ray is not human. What is she? She is a clone of yui akari mixed with the dna of lilith essentially so uh her body i think is um sort of both a, it's a little bit of lilith and a little bit of yui uh and and kind of created into this what is supposed to be an empty vessel without a soul really uh yep. it has a functioning brain but um 
I guess what's kind of interesting about Rey is that she does develop a personality and a soul through experience. So Ava's kind of arguing that personhood is through like lived experiences and things mm-hmm. like that. Like I think philosophically Ava would kind of argue that a robot could be a person as long as it had enough uh, interactions with others and kind of developed into one through experience. So yeah, um, kind of the same sort of deal. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, she's she's part alien, part human, uh, all woman. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Number one waifu. Number one waifu. She won't tell you Ten, no. Twenty years slap running. You in the face if you. Actually, I don't think she's the number one even going character. I think she's been the number one even going character for a while. At one point, she was, but in the polls, I think <laughs> I think in Japan, Japan considers Rei to be the most popular character. But uh, I'm not sure if that's changed um, over the decades. But at one point, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. She's just so perfect. She's the perfect. I know woman. that. I know that Japanese consider Asuka to be too much. Like they consider her overbearing. <laughs> she's too German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't want the woman that would uh <laughs> I don't want a woman talk, that would talk back me and uh <laughs> tell and me an idiot. <laughs> call me an idiot. Yeah, I don't like that. She's rude. If I was like crying in her bed, she wouldn't just say, You're great. <laughs> yeah, so one thing is that Ray plays into a lot more of the sensibilities of what Japanese culture expects from women, where women mm-hmm. are supposed to be sort of subservient and quiet and kinda you know and uh but she's sort of a parody of a lot of those um expectations of womanhood in japan yeah, she's kind of a critique of it if anything yeah because like ray is quiet and is subservient but she's socially awkward um kind mm-hmm. of rude indirectly in some ways uh yeah. a little bit uh <laughs> a little bit aggressive um <laughs> at, at random points too yeah. and and it's it's sort of it's interesting because she's you know oh it's the ideal woman um but she also doesn't love you and and has a hard time with uh with emotions and connections yeah. and other things like that and, and it, no agency <laughs> nothing about her is authentic really because she has yeah. no agency she makes no decisions for herself i would definitely say that uh, it she serves in stark contrast to the rest of the women in ava because like ritsuko mm-hmm. has you know, like wants, desires, passions, uh, like flaws and everything like that. Misato too, Asuka as well. They're very much mm-hmm. people, you know, uh, and all that <laughs> entails. And they're they're not perfect. Um, neither is Ray, but none of them are quiet and subservient except for Ray. <laughs> no, and it's just yeah. like real women. They have thoughts about things and they vocalize them and other things. Yeah, you know, it's this is not a fantasy. That- this isn't that weird for anime. Anime does have a lot of diverse female characters in it. We've kind of talked yeah. about this before, but it, but it it is cool that you have two really distinctly different female characters in a room talking about a third female character and what she means and what she represents. And yeah, and Ritsuko's really really upset in this episode. She um oh to continue the death theme quickly. When they go to the Ava graveyard, I'm not sure what this Ava graveyard is really supposed to represent in terms of theming, other than death, which is the main theme of this episode. But these are all the, the Evangelion failures. They tried to make an Evangelion like a hundred times, and all the bones of those failed experiments. Yeah, the Ava graveyard in a giant cross-shaped graveyard. In well, this Dogma. is this is where the contact experiment happened, right? Or yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. So this is where Yui disappeared into Ava Unit One and everything like mm-hmm. that. We're kind of getting a glimpse into how Ava units are created, and uh, from what I understand, you know those people that you see on Lilith, um, right? The the sort of legs that are hanging down. Yeah. That's um where the Ava units are kind of grown from. They're kind of they they're birthed from the bottom of Lilith. And I guess some of them failed. <laughs> they yeah, turned a into, lot of them failed. This is a very big graveyard. <laughs> they turned into weird abominations, probably that maybe couldn't be contained. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. or they weren't we, fully formed. They're like yeah. missing arms and things. Yeah, probably. Uh, Ritsuko's also smirking through this whole scene. So I think either she's happy that she's letting like the truth be known, and this is her kind of penance. This is her kind of making up for her mistakes or she's a sadist and she enjoys the emotional torture that she's putting Masato and Shinji through as they find all this creepy stuff out that she did. I kind of think it's the latter having said both of those things out loud. Uh, it's a pretty disturbing smile. Um, I mean, she is kind of smirking at this too, but I almost always have read it as, you know, she was she's she is getting like a sadistic pleasure from them knowing what she's been dealing with this whole time, like kind of yeah. like like all this burden. But but she's a wreck herself. Like she doesn't like that she's been involved to this degree or knows about all this, and it has taken an emotional toll. And so I think there's just some Schadenfreude that comes from kind of like oh now you know what I've been going through type of deal. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. did. Oh, we skipped over another scene. Sorry, we're jumping around here a bit. Is but it the scene the, where Ritsuko shows Shinji Ray's creation room? No, no. We skipped two earlier scenes with Masato. Actually, right. <laughs> we skipped one where she's listening to the uh, recording from Kaji because he he put the the little pill thing when they were mid coitus. He put it somewhere where she'd notice it, and uh, it contained a little microchip. And it was apparently one of like 20 ways he would send her this information. He's basically given her all his research on Sile and the Evangelion and everything and the Marduk Institute and all that. And so she's got that now and she's listening to it. And she said, I'm tired of waiting for the phone that won't ring. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go do something. So it shows her. She's kind of moving. She's going from depression to acceptance a little bit i guess in terms of the stages of grief she's decided i'm not gonna sit around and mope about kaji i'm gonna avenge him i'm gonna Mm -hmm. find out why he died and i'm gonna you know i mean that's how she grapples with a lot of things right where it's like vengeance kind of yeah she's a very vengeful character you would you would think ritsuko would be this like messed up psychopath a little bit a little bit i'm saying and you wouldn't think Masato is this bitter, vengeful woman, but they both are. They both have so much, there's so much shade on this like image of these like cute anime girls. And it's really cool. It's very effective and it's very subtle. And I think it's clever. The other scene that we didn't talk about, which is a very controversial scene, is when Shinji's upset because he thinks Ray's dead. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we want to talk about this scene. But uh, and then Masato comes in and she's like, "There's only one thing I can do for you right now." And she tries to take his hand, and then Shinji's like, "Don't do that!" And then he like shies away from her, and she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Okay, and she leaves, and then she's like, "She's like, 
is he not into women? <laughs> That's like our reaction to that, which is a little strange. I don't really know what to make of this scene. And then she's like, Pen Pen, come here. Console me. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on with Masato in this episode? I I have this friend um, mm-hmm. who goes by, you know, she, her. And she ha- got a tattoo of Misato um, when she was like 18, 19 years old. And called me up just the other day, and it's just like, I don't know how to feel about having a child predator <laughs> like tattooed on my on my body. And then I'm like, I don't I personally have never interpreted Masato as somebody who is uh trying to sexually assault Shinji or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um I think that she was probably just trying predator to Predator is him. a strong word, is what I'm gonna say, but go on. Yeah, I think she was just trying to hug him. That's my personal feeling. Um, I think in EOE, when we get there, uh, there's a lot to talk about. But EOE, uh, I, Misato had like no intention of <laughs> of doing anything. Well, yeah, sexual EOE's with a little more heard about this. Um, but, I I don't think I I was kind of being funny. It's not quite what she says. She doesn't quite say like, "Is he not into women?" She says something about like, "Is he afraid of women? Is he afraid of intimacy?" Um, and then she goes to Pen. She's really she, what she's looking for is just like emotional consolidation. So I don't. Uh, so if she is attempting that with Shinji, I think it comes from a place of more her just being completely despondent and like out of her mind, rather than this idea right. that so, she's into little boys, <laughs> which I don't think is the case. So you're saying kind of like this: the intense circumstances are kind of driving her to react in a way that uh demonstrates her psychological damage rather than necessarily like that she... yeah on, like, on i understand an... why it makes people uncomfortable but i'm yeah. just i don't I, and it makes me uncomfortable talking about this but i i don't think it's a, a i don't think it's predatory behavior i think it's uh i think it's her not knowing i think it's her making mistakes i think it's her not knowing quite what to do right I don't know if that's a good view on it, but whatever. <laughs> like I said, Certainly I don't, do not condone <laughs> child abuse. I don't think that there's anything sexual going on here it personally, but uh, like, you know, it's yeah. her wording is very vague. It's up for interpretation. Um, I think a lot of people interpret it that way. Some people don't. And I think it's both readings are pretty fair. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, and then we finally get to the final scene where uh, Ritsuko has finally has that moment of release. She completely loses it, and she destroys all the backup rays. She just murders all of them at once. Mm-hmm. And it reminds her, obviously, I, I, mean, I don't know if she knows exactly what happened to her mother, necessarily. I think she just has a feeling, but she's like, I'm no better than my mother. Two women, both absurd. Um, yep, so that's Ritsko. Poor Ritsko, I feel bad for her. <laughs> Ritsko is a, a shockingly compelling and complex character for somebody who would normally be forgotten about as as science mm. techno babble lady yeah um she's literally just there to make the avas but nope she's got 
an arc, and they literally transposed her into psychopaths. That's how cool Ritsuko is. Another show, just like whole cloth stole her, so <laughs> and made her a lesbian. Uh, <laughs> right, I remember that character actually. I actually like that character, <laughs> but she is kind of just Ritsuko. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as they say, um, uh. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery from the mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Ritsuko also, much like her mother, is prepared to die in this moment. She, she says, if you're going to kill me, go ahead. <laughs> she says that to Masato. And uh, Masato apparently says something pretentious here, but I didn't write what she said. I just started to write something and then I forgot about it, I guess. <laughs> you can't die here. Death is but an illusion. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she says anything about Ritsuko dying. She she does say, uh, oh yeah, Masato says something like, all people who are touched by the Evangelion are cursed to be unhappy. She says something like that. <laughs> um, and then Masato says, as if I'm any better. And then the episode ends. <laughs> so, it, all along, it was a Ritsuko-Masato story, and that's how we know, because that's the note it ends on. <laughs> Yeah, Masato. it do- it doesn't really have a as we kind of discussed. It doesn't have a denouement. It kind of just ends. It doesn't even really have a through line, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> this episode really sh- a lot happened because it had to because it needed to for the the sake of the story. But I do think that the there are a lot of really good beats in isolation mm-hmm. here, but it doesn't really come together. Like as a whole, we deal with too many plot threads kind of happening all at once. And none of them really tie together in any particular way. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, Ritz, there's a lack of focus on, <laughs> on just who's the A plot, who is the most important. Is it is it Ray? Is it Ritzko? <laughs> Should probably really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I think the A plot is the Ritzko Masada stuff. Is the, yeah, is but it's A not plot. introduced well as like an, in Act 1 that that's what it's no. going to be. It kind of just surprisingly ends up that way. So also Shinji's just there for that whole final scene. He doesn't contribute anything. Yeah, Shinji's he's just there. Just there. And then in episode twenty four, we get some lip service about it, where he's just like, "Ah, oh, Ray." Uh, he, has, but, <laughs> he has his own little breakdown in episode twenty four about this. Yeah, I think part uh, of what makes episode twenty four really compelling is that it's it's like extremely obvious what the what you know relationships matter, what the a plot is, what the b plot is. And especially oh, oh, episode twenty four is Asatsukawa. All the Asatsukawa episodes. Yeah, it's like, very, we, it's very clear who times. takes priority mm-hmm. in Asatsukawa. He always does episode. it. Opening, yeah. opening act, opening scene. He'll tell you this character is the main character. Here's the main conflict, and then you see it pan out that way. He's very uh, good at that. As opposed to like twenty two, uh, as well, where twenty two is very obvious. Like this is about Asuka, one hundred percent story. Yep. And episode twenty three, it's a little hazy. <laughs> it's just a little hazy. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of it is they didn't know what to do with Ray a lot of the time, but yeah, I mean, like I, how to write her? I I feel like Ray is kind of maybe one of the the more like I like what she contributes to the show. I like the themes of objectification. I like the commodification of women and the commentary mm-hmm. on like Japanese society uh, and how they expect women to be like. There's a lot to love about Ray. I think her arc ends really strongly in End of Evangelion. But it kind of just stumbles and trips around for the majority of the series itself. Well, so actually, I just thought of something. So this is Ray three, right? Yeah. 
So this episode's Ray 3. The other Ray episode was actually a Satsuko episode, the Ray 1 and 2. So I think what he did really well in that two-parter, which, again, is a strange two-parter, because I think it's, it's the first part has, like, no action in it whatsoever. It's all set up, and then the second part is all payoff. Um, but what he did really well was there, he made it a Shinji Ray story. So immediately, Shinji's like, who is Ray? What's her relationship to my father? What's my relationship to her? And then by the end, you find the answer to that question. This doesn't really have a dramatic question in the same way. There's no who is Ray, what is Ray. No one's really looking at her or wondering about her. We just really get a lot of scenes where Ritsuko and Masato are kind of talking about her and at the end. And Masato doesn't even really... Masato's sad when she dies, but she's so distracted by Kaji, she has to keep thinking and talking about Kaji, which is interesting. I, I, like, the, the, I can't even vocalize really wh where this episode is coming, what its perspective is. But I can tell you very clearly what the perspective was of Ray 1 and 2. It was Shinji's perspective on Ray. And that's that's more easy to follow, I think. Is this like... Okay, so Ray being a clone was pretty obvious up to this point. I think an adult viewer would have figured it out probably a while ago at this point. revealed it a while ago. Yeah. Um, so what kind of... Do, what new do we learn about Ray 2 um, and her creation from this? Or do we just get it kind of reiterated? It, it's so hard because I'm known for so long what Ray is that I'm kind of trying to figure out what like what would be the big revelations in this episode. And I think yeah. a lot of it is just shocking scientific revelations like Ray's a clone. Ray is like I don't think we knew that Ray was actually a clone before this episode. Now that I think about it, I don't think we knew that until this like exactly how she was a clone until this very moment because we know that Ray one died. We know that Nalka killed Ray one, but we didn't know. We just knew that Ray was still alive. We knew that Nauka killed Ray and that Ray was still alive somehow. And we kind of suspect that Ray has some connection to Yui because when Nauka sees her, she's like, oh my God, it's Yui in the flesh or whatever she says. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure. I think there is a lot of story revelations here that just don't have the same impact anymore because we've seen the show so many times that we've completely forgotten that they're supposed to be impactful. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm kind of trying to get at is like, okay, mm -hmm. well, if you're smart, you would have figured it out um, probably by now. But I, I doubt a lot of people did ha or have. I don't know if the I don't think I there. did, you know, like, so I don't think this the information was... was actually there. I think we're, we're sort of looking at this too much in retrospective. In right. Retrospect, I think. Well, if, if this is the first time that we're kind of learning that she's indeed a clone and everything, then at least that's mm -hmm. a pretty good revelation for to close the episode out on, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. I don't really have much else to say about this episode, to be honest. I'm surprised we talked about it for an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that's good. Um, mm -hmm. I guess closing thoughts for me are, I I like what Ray represents. I think that you know, um, like when I did a I did a character analysis of Ray on my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still stand by everything I said. I think uh, there's a lot of, to look into her and everything. Uh, from a traditional character arc perspective, it it does kind of stumble, kind of flubs around until the towards the end, um, yep. and uh, but I I like what she, uh, you know how how she contributes to the show and the the show's dynamic, and um, I still enjoy this episode in spite of its faults, like structurally, mm -hmm. um, and really like Ritsko. she's interesting, um, love Masato in spite of the fact that she might love children. 
Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, This podcast does not enjoy his... What am I trying to say? Does not endorse. That's the word. This podcast does not endorse child predators in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, please don't uh, do that. That's it's a it's one of the worst things that any if you person suffer can do to from such else. thoughts and feelings, please consult a psychiatrist immediately yeah. and do not act upon them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, please. Yeah, what he said. If you're listening to this podcast and you're you're having having thoughts and feelings about children, please consult a psychiatrist. I'm not joking. I mean, I am kind of joking. I'm you know what i'm saying (laughs) anyway my thoughts on this episode are i'm not joking about about the seriousness of predatory behavior is what i'm saying uh this episode is really cool there's a lot of really cool stuff in it the angel cool as hell uh ritzko awesome great to see some character depth there masato great to see her doing something and the the depth of her characterization shinji please do more Take up an act more active role. This is your show. Don't just get called <laughs> in and like watch things happen. Do some stuff. Take action. Come on. Uh, uh, he's been kind of on the sidelines or been on the sidelines he's been since sideline 19. For like five episodes at this point. Yeah, since episode nineteen, he hasn't done much besides just watch the fallout of everyone else tearing themselves apart around him. Even though there was like a whole episode, episode 19 was all about like, stand up, do things for yourself. Only you have the power. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to do it. And then he's just been on the sidelines ever since then. Uh, Kind of forcibly, though. uh, Kind of forcibly. Yeah, he was benched on purpose. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, what else do I have to say about this episode? Looked good. Animation was pretty good. Not the best animated episode of the show, but pretty good. Script was a little wonky. That's all I have to say. Thank you so much for listening. listening. Uh, This has been Two Gays, One Episode, and I am Michael, a.k.a. Goat Jesus. And I'm Alex. We did a really funny bonus episode, like, at this point, two months ago, I think, by the time this airs, about things we would have made in an Evangelion video game on our Patreon, Patreon exclusive. Uh, Go pledge to our Patreon and check that out, because it was really fun and really amusing, and I enjoyed it. And you probably (laughs) will, too. You'll get to uh, know who Jessica America is. (laughs) Jessica Pence, a.k.a. Jessica Eagleson, a.k.a. Oh, 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 what if she's Jessica Eagleson and you don't know she's Jessica Pence and later on you find out she's Jessica Pence? That all, okay. See, we just added to it. We just added, but you don't know what we're talking about unless you go to another episode on the Patreon. So, just saying. (laughs) Yeah, it was a really fun episode. Um, thanks so, so much uh, yeah. for listening and you guys have a good one. Yeah, have a great day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>